Hello, gorgeous people, and welcome to another TV Central one-on-one podcast. I'm Aaron Ryan. This is episode 50, 2023. Rush is Channel 9's new travel adventure series following 12 everyday Aussies embarking on an adventure of a lifetime to some of the most exhilarating places on the planet. Dropped into the heart of some of the most pulsating cultural festivals, huge events and exotic locations in Brazil, Turkey, Jordan, India, Thailand, Ireland, France, Kenya and South Africa. Deprived of all senses, they must work together to complete the mission and reach the escape zone. A man that knows more than most about travelling and survival is David Jennett. In 2019, David Jennett gained widespread recognition when he competed on the fourth season of Australian Survivor titled Australian Survivor Champions versus Contenders and then the winner of Australian Survivor All-Stars. David quickly emerged as a strategic and manipulative player on the show. He formed alliances, made strategic moves and played both sides of the game, earning him the nickname the Godfather. He now transitions to the role of host and Rush could not be a better fit. Actor, model, host, uh, black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, ambassador for Harley Davidson and, and supporter of health and fitness awareness, David Jennett joins me now at TV Central. David, thank you for joining me. Aaron, how are you, man? I'm really well. That was quite the intro, my friend, but I have to pull you up on one thing because I was like, man, you are nailing this. Oh, the what's Godfather, the, bo- the Golden God. Oh, I read The Godfather. <laughs> there, uh, the Golden God. The, God, the Godfather was Matty Rogers. Um, oh, that's what that's what Matty Rogers' nickname. You got you got to own your nickname, you know. So, oh, geez. I was the, I was a self anointed Golden God, so it was even more embarrassing. I was calling myself that. Other people weren't calling me it until it caught on. <laughs> I wonder if this is going to make the edit. <laughs> oh, it better. <laughs> all right so with your own personal passions um your travel your yeah. time on survivor could hosting rush not have been a more perfect fit for you i mean mate it's it's really a dream job so nobody would say no to hosting rush they're basically like do you want to fly around business class to all these great countries and stay in five plus five star hotels and then kick uh contestants off a show i was like yeah it sounds like right up my alley but um, it was a good it was a good combination. I'd auditioned for a bunch of shows last year that hadn't quite come a, come about. That weren't quite the right fit. And when you're not succeeding in that area, you're like, what does not the right fit mean? And then when the right fit comes along, you're like, oh, I'm so glad I didn't do any of those other shows because it would have meant I'd missed out on Rush. And Rush is me to a T. It's like travel and it's adventure and it's stuff I've all been involved with over my last twenty years as uh, as a model and actor and. Well, now a TV host. <laughs> did, did you discuss with the team the kind of host you would be? I mean, you could have been the fairly straight-laced or the Jonathan LaPaglia type, but you seem to have mm. gone for a cheeky host and and supporter of the teens with lots of hugs and celebrations as they make their way to you, for, uh, you know, finding you with each episode. Yeah, look, I um, one thing I've got that none of those hosts have is I've been a contestant. So I think probably I'm coming at it from a bit more of an empathetic angle. And I was trying to fulfill a role that I would have liked as a contestant, I guess. So it wasn't just being like, this will be my performance as the host. I really was very conscious of like, how are the contestants feeling? Because it's quite a, it's hard, man, being a contestant on these shows. It's, it's something you've never experienced before. It's very intense. There's cameras around, um, insane travel schedule. And so to be able to to have that experience myself, I think really kind of shaped what I wanted to do with the character. 
So when we were talking about it in pre-production meetings and, and how we were going to approach it, some of the EPs and, and Tara Williams had a fantastic idea of like, you should be eating at every location. And I remember being on Survivor and thinking, oh man, like sometimes you could smell like food on, on some of the, the crew and it would drive you nuts. And I was like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have fun with that. So when the contestants come up, they're a bit hungry and I'm like snacking away. I get to just do some really like fun stuff, you know. Um, and they trusted me and I trusted them all shine because they're just amazing. So yeah, there wasn't really any of those concerns about like, oh, is this going to be good? Like I knew it was going to be good because of the team involved. Yeah. Obviously, there is prize money and the strategy of the show to mm. win each section of the adventure. But I'm really enjoying a couple of the other elements uh, of Brush. Uh, first, the team's not knowing where they are initially and literally being blindfolded and dropped anywhere from a festival to the desert. Mm. Have you seen the individual dynamics play out as some people adapt and work with their location and others seem, I don't know, lost and confused? I mean, 100%. But we kind of had, when they're casting... They, they wanted uh, quite dynamic people, people that were really up for a challenge because it's really arduous what they're doing. But they also wanted diversity in the casting so that the audience can be like, oh, that might be how I would respond in that situation. Mm. And um, I think they've done quite a good job of that because we've got people who have done a lot of traveling, some traveling, no traveling. And so when you're watching it back, you can maybe get a sense of like, oh, that's how I would have responded. I've never been in Turkey before like it's such a foreign place like that looks like being on the moon and so yeah. we wanted to give them the adventure and and obviously the competition but also people you can kind of root for or root against which is the fun part of reality but give you that kind of personal experience to be like oh, maybe that's how I would have done it or not done it or or whatnot. Well, that's the other element I'm enjoying about the show and that's the characters and, and the teamwork or lack of in some cases <laughs> tell, tell me about adam for instance he seems to be a, a mummy's boy and and learning a few harsh yeah. realities of life out there although he is very endearing yeah and i mean and that's that's the beauty of it right because he's, he's a young dude man like i had the benefit of with my career I, I started traveling quite early um and there's nothing that will broaden your horizons like travel it makes you a better person it makes you a more interesting person and it makes you more empathetic towards other people's experience. So if you've just grown up in uh, Western Sydney, mum's cooking all your meals and, and uh, you just going to and from work, you've got your little bubble you're living in, you might not have had that wider range of experiences. And to see him flourish and find out about like how great these experiences are, um, I love what Adam's doing on the show. And he was really fun to, to be on there. The dynamic between him and Fiona is hilarious to me. Um, and I think that was something we didn't realise they would slot into that mother-son role. But it's it's the beauty of the show. Like, there's a lot of people in Adam's position that haven't really had a chance to travel that much. And, um, I, I mean, it's gonna it's changed his life. Yeah, I actually wanted to ask you about that. I mean, him, him being a mummy's boy, he's 22. He found himself in that little beautiful duo with 57-year-old Fiona. That is, <laughs> yeah. that, that is a beautiful little alliance, isn't it? Yeah, it's great, man. I think um, watching that unfold as we were traveling and reading the threads with production and stuff, Fiona, I, I think, is just hilarious. Um, she reminds me of a bunch of my aunties. and She's such a straight shooter. And the what her take on things is just great. Like really Aussie, really straight perspective. 
And it's offset by that thing of like, she just can't help but mother Adam because he's such a mama's boy. <laughs> and I just I just think it's really, really funny, those two, especially the uh, concept of having them do IVs together, having them do the interviews together. I love the way they were bouncing up each other in last night's air. Well, three episodes in, and it looks like there could be love in the air for one team, oh. Saxon and uh, Lola. Can, <laughs> yeah. can you hint if this romance might blossom further in future episodes? I mean, they're both from Queensland. You will definitely have to watch next week's app to see how that progresses, but there's definitely uh, something going on. Um, and it will come to a pretty exciting conclusion. So it was cool to see those two getting along so well. I didn't really, I, I don't think we were really ready for that. Maybe they had an idea when they were doing casting, you know, they're both beautiful people and put them in an intense situation together, um, you know, and it's happened. So it's it's going there. We've just got to see how far it goes. All right. And uh, Madeline that left us in episode three by quitting before the vote by saying she wanted to get back to her kids. She did yeah. have some issues with her team, and it was probably a foregone conclusion that she sh she would have been voted out um, had there been a vote. That was a safe face move, wasn't it? Quit before being booted. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you on that. I think um, she'd had a really tough time in Jordan. Um, again, like the way the guys are transported, we see a fraction on screen of what they're actually going through. They, they were in the desert a long time, man. I mean, I think they did like 45 Ks or something. They did a marathon in that desert walking around. So it's, it's physically quite intense, which is why they're not like running to escape zones. They're just every ep, they're putting in a lot of work. Like even in Brazil, the hike was like a three to five hour hike before they saw me. We see like 10 seconds of it on screen. So when they're not like sprinting in, it's because they've just been, they've been really working hard. And I think that just kind of got to Maddie a bit on top of uh, Maddie's like a mom and she's got kids and being on a production means being held in isolation, being in blacked out vehicles so you don't know where you are, being in hotel rooms without TVs. And that stuff adds up, especially mm -hmm. when you're quite an independent woman. And Maddie's very independent. I think she kind of was like, Ugh, this is not for me. Like I, she didn't like that element around the race. And then when things started to go badly, I think she thought, oh, the writing's on the wall here, especially with some of the chats. You kind of got a little bit of the chat going between, um, I want to say Thailand maybe pulled her up and was like, Maddie, you know, you're just being too intense. And same with Tommy was quite straightforward with her. Like, mm. Dude, you know, leave it alone. And as you start feeling that shift, and then seeing me, like, they couldn't even get up that last 9,000 steps because 900 steps because it was just we, – we were losing daylight so fast. You actually have to be out of that location um, before sunset because mm. uh, they're people that still live in the caves. So it becomes like it's not a tourist attraction at night. And um, I think she was just – she was just at that point over it and uh, I agreed. I, th I think there was a bit of, you know, safe face before I get voted out because she even came up – I tried to thresh a bit more out to be like, you know, yeah. maybe put some fight in there. You just see a little fraction of that, but she was she was out at all out basically the second they they rolled in there. So um, it was just then me trying to ask questions to be like, well, we need something for telly. You can't just walk in and be like, I'm done. But thanks, guys. Episode's over. <laughs> Having been on a reality show, now the host, you would surely understand this: the difference between yelling at the screen as a viewer and then actually being there. So episode one, Team Scarlet are doing well um, and they are just metres from their hotel and could check in. 
but decide to stop for 45 minutes for burgers. I mean, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. <laughs> Why would you risk 100,000 and pole position for a bloody hamburger? Right. What, so I arrived in uh, Parachi before them, but not, not much before. Like we have to travel to the location ahead of the guys. We try to beat them. They were really smashing and getting there quick. So I'm in my hotel and then um, we're getting threads being like, the, guy, the guys are here, Qu- quick, you know, the crews, we need crews da, 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 to get them to check in. And then it came back, they're getting food. Now, in all fairness, you are supposed to only eat in your budget while the race is happening, right? Oh. So they hadn't eaten food all day. In Seamus's mind, in Hamish's mind, sorry, not Seamus, in Hamish's mind, he's thinking there's no way you can get a taxi cab Super Archie, it's a four-hour ride for the allotted budget, which technically you shouldn't have. It's just that those guys were so good at bartering, they found cab drivers that were we're gonna do it. It was like oh, they man. had 50, 50 Aussie dollars to for a four-hour cab ride, man. So I think even in the planning for it, when we're doing it before and we're like, okay, how much do they need to get from here to here or there to there? No one actually conceived that they would get cabs. So I think in Hamish's mind and not having gone through the bartering system, he's just like, well, they have to be getting the bus. I know the next bus is an hour behind. Let's just get 30 minutes to quickly eat something. And then again, it's the first couple of days. So they're also not quite sure of like the pace and the format. And and they knew about check-in and check-out, but they just they just didn't have the urgency. Yeah. So does the format re- remain the same for the rest of the series in terms of checking in, last team picks someone to be eliminated, or could there be surprises along the way, such as a double elimination or a group elimination or possibly like Survivor emerge? Um, there is definitely some surprises along the way. There's a double elimination. We don't do emerge. So the teams basically will get whittled down and they have to go it alone. If you're the last person on your team, you're the last person on your team. So no merging of teams, but there are a couple intense eliminations and some other stuff that happens, which I won't spoil yet, but um, very exciting. In uh, some shows lately, there's been a cash prize, but it's advertised as a, a share of the money, meaning the full <clears throat> amount won't necessarily be won. Will one contestant actually pocket $100,000 this season? One contestant pockets $100,000, the full amount. And one contestant gets the two first-class trip tickets around the world, which are worth way more than hundred thousand dollars. So, oh, wow. um, yeah. So there's a there's a there's a pretty decent prize. I know some people go, oh, first-class tickets, but the business tickets around the first-class, sorry, tickets around the world are crazy expensive. So that's a that's a great prize in itself. So one person does work way with it. So if the tickets are worth more, are we aiming for second second place then? <laughs> well, you get them both. You get a hundred grand and the tickets. If you oh, so nothing, nothing for second place. Oh, okay. Sorry, I'm I miss misheard that one. Okay. Um, the show features a lot of traveling. Um, you do a lot yourself. Are, are you still mm. between New York and Australia, or have you settled in in one location now? So I am between New York and Australia, but we actually just signed a contract to sell my house in Brooklyn. So that's going um ahead right now as we speak. So. Uh, there's been a lot of back and forth, but um, we are now fully committed to being in Australia, which is great. Rush uh, being a big part of that. So um, yeah. it's good. It's good to be here. Good to be with Channel 9. I have, a, I have a three-year contract with Channel 9 now. So some really exciting stuff coming up. Oh, awesome. 
Um, okay, a bit about you now. Um, like stereotypical modelling seems to be with slim, young, hot people. Um, it's been about mm. 20 years since uh, Search for a Supermodel. You are getting a little bit older now. Um, oh. But I think we're about the same age. But, geez, you're still as hot as ever, if you don't mind the compliment. <laughs> Do you still get a bit of I'll take the compliment. I thought you were about to say, you're not as young, slim, or as hot as you were. But... <laughs> Definitely not. Which, Definitely not. I've still seen Aaron, the... I know. Trust me, I know. <laughs> I've seen some shirtless pics. Do, do, you, do you still do a bit of a, a bit of modeling these days? Look, it's not that I, I won't, but my focus really five years ago became acting. And um, as I was transitioning out of modeling, you, you had to make a bit of a decision. It's not that I wouldn't model or represent brands. I have done that, especially for some of my friends' companies. I work for Liddy's Jewelry out here um, just because they're close friends of mine. And I've been doing that, but it's just not really the focus of my career. I yeah. think um, acting and television kind of go hand in hand because you get to ask to represent brands all the time or do photo shoots. But uh, it's not where I'm, you know, where I'm making my bread and butter anymore. Is your fitness and nutrition routine similar to previous years or do you allow yourself a few more Krispy Kremes these days? Oh, definitely a few more Krispy Kremes. Um, no, definitely. I, I'm a fitness nut. So that hasn't really changed. What probably has changed is I don't have to be a certain size anymore. When you're really in, in the model world, you have to be able to fit into uh, sample size clothes, which is like 32 waist. Um, I probably weighed about 80-ish kilograms when I was doing that. And now I can lift. So I love lifting weights. I like doing sports. And um, just for my personal health, that's where I like to be. And I'm, a, I'm now I'm a pretty heavy dude. Like I probably weigh about 100 and something kilograms. So that's where my body's happy. That's where I feel really healthy. Yeah. Um, and it's I just much prefer it. I'm uh, interested to know if your on-screen reputation is just a persona or whether that reflects who you are. I mean, in Survivor, you were called a manipulator and were very mm. strategic. Even in Celebrity Apprentice, uh, Janine Alice labelled you as <laughs> the sneakiest contestant in the season. I'm curious to know if, if your strategy and gameplay is part of your life away from the cameras. I mean, even as the host of Rush, you're just a little bit cheeky. Oh, man. Like, I, I probably couldn't be more opposite, to tell you the truth. When... Um, like I was saying, I'd, I'd been acting in the States for a couple of years uh, leading up to my um, debut on Australian Survivor. And I kind of went about that looking at it like a character role. I went back, watched a bunch of American Survivor, researched who the most popular characters were, what people were looking for in Survivor characters. I really treated it like it was an acting role. And that's how I kind of came up with this idea of like a bravado golden god like styled on some of my favorite television characters like dennis from always sunny in philadelphia who has like a really short fuse mm. and petty revenge and ragey and all that kind of stuff and that's what i i was trying to do for the for the people watching at home which wasn't loved immediately it took people time <laughs> to come around um but that was kind of the character i got and so you get that reputation on the show and i think people obviously conflate character with reality and when it's reality tv they think oh that's really you but it, it's not um for me there were characters celebrity apprentice especially was character i mean i was there for a very specific reason being asked to do very specific things um again it was just like an acting role for me so um it, it all kind of just yeah settled in as being a part of like my, what my on-screen character is and the one thing i love about it is it gives you a bit of insulation from the haters 
So in my mind, I can be like, no, it's not really me. They can say what they want or I can I can actually kind of clap back at them a lot of times because that's a bit of my persona. It's my persona on Instagram. It's my persona with acting. But, um, yeah, you talk to my to my wife and my kids and actually maybe they will say I'm like that in real life. No, they'll tell you a bit of a different, bit of a different story, I hope. Well, let's ask you that. So who is David uh, Jenner away from the cameras? How do you think Pearl and your kids would describe you? Um, man, I'm, I mean, I'd like to be known as someone that's actually pretty kind. Um, I've got a pretty, I have a very light, long fuse, I think as compared to like on, on telly, I, I try to have like a short fuse, like I get angry about stuff quick or whatever, but I like to um, say I, I try to be as kind as possible, nice as possible to people I meet. Um, people in the street that ask me for photos or come up to talk about Survivor, I always um, like to give them them a good experience. But I just, uh, yeah, man, I'm pretty lighthearted. I like laughing and, and being funny and, and just, yeah, enjoying enjoying my life with my, my wife and kids and my, my new dog. I mean, you know, uh, and try to be as genuine as possible. Shout out to the dog. What's the dog's name? Teddy. I would <laughs> grab him, but the kids are walking him right now. <laughs> He's the best. He's a mini schnauzer and uh, he's just, yeah, so cute. Killer. I'm interested to know about your mental, how your mental health has been over the years. I mean, whilst most would not give you any sympathy for being a model and traveling the world um, and mixing (laughs) with celebrities, that world could also, can be toxic. It can be harsh. Um, It can be intrusive to your, to your personal life. And critics are looking for that one photo where you're you're caught off guard. Um, with all that fame and and money, I guess were were there also some some struggles? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think a spit like like I said, I, I like the fact that the characters from Survivor insulated me a little bit from that kind of thing, where I could just be like, ah, it's, that's a character. So that helped me compartmentalize things a little bit. But there is definitely times where, like, if you read something, and I, I don't read all this stuff, but there's definitely times you see something or you read something and you're like, oof, that that actually, like, got me a little bit. You have to have a pretty thick skin. I've been judged on how I look for 20 years and I'm reading stuff that still gets to me. I mean, that's pretty intense stuff right there. Like, I should be well-versed in that. But a lot of those things, like, man, it's it can get pretty, it can get pretty intense. It can get pretty dark. Um, the first season of Survivor like I said, when when people hadn't been introduced to the Golden God yet, I was getting some really intense uh, messages and some super personal stuff where people were like attacking my kids or, or threatening to, to beat me up, like like wow. pretty intense stuff. So it does take a real toll on your brain, whether you like to admit it or not. You kind of get, you're out of this bubble of like being so important to a show and then having people you don't even know that are just like abusing you. And it's really... Sorry, it lost an earpiece. It can be really, really tough. Um, and I think from my perspective, again, it's it's my family that keeps me grounded. So to be able to take a step back and just be like, ah, oh, that's not real life. That's the internet and it's not reality. Um, and they're, they're just like so supportive. Like my my dad, rest in peace, he was such a supportive person for me and and, and keeping it real. And what's real is what's directly in front of you. And you just have to, you know, realize the rest of it's a, a fugazi. Now, that being said, I'm also the face of this brand new show. So I'm watching what's happening with ratings, how it's being received, what people are saying. And it does affect you, you know. I want this to be successful. I want people to enjoy the show. I want it to go well. I want to do a second season. 
and the threat of maybe that not happening or it's not hasn't been like hitting rating targets like it it's really really stressful and can put you in some pretty um yeah it's been it's been pretty intense some dark times but i always just try to pull myself out of it um i'll do some working out i'll take a motorcycle ride i'll spend some time with my wife and kids my wife is amazing at um helping me get out of like little dark spots. She's amazing at making me realize I'm not that important, which is also good. (laughs) She's really, she's just really great at like being supportive and, um, and helping, helping, uh, helping pull me out of stuff. So it's just good to have other people you can lean on, whether it's like friends or family members or a wife or a girlfriend to be able to talk about it is what helps. Yeah. You mentioned there about the ratings. I mean, you have to be, heavily into programming and stuff like that to understand that whole ratings, how it is mm. now, because they've got Voz. I mean, people are checking it out online. They're checking it out days later. I mean, they're looking at demographics. I remember channel seven actually canceled a place to call home. It was rating very well, except it had an older demographic. So they're, they're looking at so many things these days. It's un- unbelievable. Oh, yeah. So just that overnight figure now is, you know, a kind of redundant, but uh yeah, well, the, those... it's also redundant because it's an antiquated system. In, I mean, from my, my understanding, we still use an Australian ratings uh, standard where it's like people set top boxes, like certain people with boxes and certain demos and how they watch it, and then they aggregate it. So I never really look at those, I, I mean, the overnight numbers, but it's like if, if there's so many people watching it in different ways, whether it's like streaming or um, online or the, the apps, it's like there's heaps of heaps of ways to catch up with it, but... You know, it's it's a real and present stress. You want things to be successful. You want something you put so much time into to be successful, like for any anything in life, yeah. um, whether it's like, you know, your podcast, you want people to watch it. You're hoping people are watching it. And the hard thing is putting yourself out there. And then other people, obviously, who have no, nothing better to do will judge it. Um, and you just, you just have to roll with it. Absolutely. All right. So what, what do you enjoy doing in, in your days off? What's your, what's your lifestyle like now? Uh, well, at the moment, I've been pretty busy with media stuff. I'm filming another show for Harley Davidson Australia, which is around my motorcycle. So we basically uh, take bikes and we go for a ride and do a little celebrity interview, talk to them about their love of bikes. It's for, for people who are really into motorcycles. I've been filming that. Um, I have a little production company in Perth. So got a couple of guys working for me and we, you know, doing videos and we're doing podcasting and a whole bunch of other stuff behind the scenes on top of still finishing narration for Rush. So it's been a pretty busy, busy time. I'm doing some 3 a.m. wake-ups so I can do morning radio uh, on the East Coast, which is uh, always pleasant when you're in Perth. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it's been good. I just uh, thought of this because you mentioned the, the uh, narration. Did you get any voice coaching or something like that? Because your narration voice is quite different to your natural voice. Oh, You've got yeah, the, uh, yeah, yeah. Coming up on Rush. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I have had uh, a lot of vocal coaching over the years. I was doing vocal coaching to get rid of my Australian accent when I was in America. So when I came back this way, I kind of, and my wife's American, kids are American. So I've, I've had this habit of doing a lot of American words. So go, going into Rush, I was really trying to focus on on getting Australian as possible um you do classes they talk a lot about like diaphragmatic breathing and diphthongs and tongue placement and all that kind of stuff and um yeah so i'm using what i've what i've been taught i always liked hearing um 
narration that that is intense and and makes me vibe with what I'm watching. And so that's what we tried to put in the performance. I've got a director. We're in a sound booth. They're getting me to say things certain ways, different ways. I'm always supposed to be smiling. So you guys sound unhappy. So I'm doing narration where I'm like, you know, today in Petra, like real big cheesy <laughs> grin, grin on my face. But that's been a really fun part of it too. Like I, I really like that. And I, I, um, I wanted in the performance for, for people to feel the gravity of the situation, of the places we're in, as opposed to just being like, okay, so uh, we're in Petra today and um, yeah, we're going for a walk in the desert. Doesn't <laughs> go have the same resonance. Yeah, I've got so many jokes with the tongue placement coaching, but uh, I'll move. <laughs> I'll move. Uh, obviously, uh, and and just finally, uh, no major spoilers. The upcoming episodes of Rush, but can you at least highlight a, a couple of the locations that are coming up that um, were either just beautiful or or crazy? So India is actually my favorite location of all of them. I had never been to India before, and that'll be our first back, I want to say Sunday or Monday. Um, and it's incredible. Incredible. And there's some really cool stuff that's about to happen on the show because, and this is our little insider tip for you, Aaron, um, we get introduced to Rush Roulette, which is basically the tiebreaker system we use. Um, if there's only two people left, on a team or if it's a deadlock vote. And that comes out for the first time uh, this week. And it's really, really cool. Oh, excellent. All right. Super effort, uh, David, on, on, on the hosting thus far. Cheeky, fun and personable. Uh, loving it. Uh, great new series okay. with the the added drop element um, and the locations thus far have been breathtaking. Um, was Great getting to know a bit about the man behind the man. Um, hmm. Good luck with the rest of the season. And I hope to chat to you soon with whatever next project comes alive with Channel 9. But uh, thank you for joining me, uh, David, here at TV Central. My pleasure, Aaron. Thanks very much for chatting to me. And uh, hopefully we can catch up in Perth sometime. All right. That was David Dennett, uh, host of Rush. So the show can be seen for multiple multiple episodes a week on Channel 9 and 9 Now. That's it for this podcast. For all the latest news, streaming options, ratings, television guides and podcasts, head to tvcentral.com.au. But for now, I'm Aaron Ryan. Thanks to David Dennett. Bye for now. Off to some tongue placement coaching. 